Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're going into Holy Week. I'm going to transition a little bit. Do you know what Holy Week is? I just want to go over it just so you have a kind of a a thought process. Holy Week is this. Palm Sunday, which is today, celebrates Jesus' triumphal entry. Monday, Thursday commemorates the foot wash in the Last Supper with Jesus and the apostles. Good Friday commemorates the, the, the death of Christ, the crucifixion at Calvary. And Holy Saturday commemorates Jesus' body resting in the tomb. And then Easter Sunday celebrates the resurrection of Christ. Celebrates the resurrection of Christ. So as you look at that and, and you, uh, let me, a sidebar here. Gosh, QR sidebar, okay? All these notes are on, on the website. So if you hit the QR later and you guys don't, they, they're not there right now, correct? They'll be there this week. So if, if, if you want to go back and get something that you missed, you can go back and you get it through that sidebar note. I'm just pushing QRs. All right. E- Easter Sunday, the resurrection and the celebration. Holy week, what I'm asking us to do, what I am going to do, I'm asking you to spend, if you didn't spend the last 40 days or 30 days, that's fine. No condemnation. That's all right. I'm good with that. I would like you to to have, but, but here's the deal. This week, as we go into this holy week, I'm asking that you would read your word, even if it's just one scripture a day. I'm asking that you'd have these conversations with Jesus. They say, Jesus, just kind of reveal to me who you are this week. Show me something new about you. I'm asking that you would worship. Maybe instead of, uh, instead of worshiping the television and worshiping the news, that you would worship Jesus. And I'm asking that you would do it each and every day these next seven days. That's what I'm asking for us. So let's pause for a second and look. What was Holy Week? Holy Week went from first part of the week, this praising Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna of Jesus coming in, to to shifting really quickly into crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, to shifting again to this place of he is risen. You want to talk about a packed week. You want to talk about a lot going on. From Jesus is great to who the heck is Jesus, you're not Jesus, to whoa, he's back. All in a moment's notice. I mean, we, as I get older, weeks just fly by. They just absolutely fly by. And, and this week is, is just a, a power-packed week. And if church, if we could just step outside of ourselves just a little bit and just meditate on who he is and what this week means to us. Because here's what we usually think. Not me. I would never be in the middle of this week. You know, I'm good with Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I'm good with he is risen, but I would never be the guy who says, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's just not me. It's not necessarily true. I was going to read the triumphal entry, but my wife read it this morning for us, so I don't have to thank you for reading that. (laughs) 
Jesus coming in and them laying. What, what does that look like? What does it mean? What is the significance of it? What's going on here? First, what we see is that these, these people are laying down palms at Jesus' coming in. There's this worshipful attitude. There's this excitement going on. And the palm was a, a, a national symbol for the Jews. It was a symbolic to them. It, it would be uh, like, like uh, waving the flag as the president drives down, waving an American flag. It's this hail to the chief. It's this uh, recognizing who he is. It's this excitement that is happening here as he comes in. And they're, they're shouting something. They're saying, Hosanna, 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 which literally translates, save us, please. If you know the history of what was going on with the Jews, there's this great condemnation and, and not the freedom to worship. And there's this, they're under the thumb of the Roman Empire and there's a struggle that is constantly going on. And they're looking to this Jesus and they're going, this could be the one. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us please, Jesus. It's liberty. It's freedom. That's what they're saying. This is the one who's going to bring freedom in our lives and liberate us. And then finally, as all this was going on, it was happening during Passover. Passover was the holy of holies. It was a celebration for the Jews. It was the time where they'd tell stories of how their forefathers had been enslaved by the Egyptians and God delivered them. And he did it through Passover when they put blood over their doorposts. And when the last plague came through, God took the, the firstborn, except for those who had blood over their, their posts, which was a prophetic picture of Jesus' blood. And they celebrated this time. It was a holy time. And all this was going on during Passover, which means this, that in Jerusalem, it would have been packed. It would have been buzzing. It'd have been like this church right now. Just, see, the dog even got it. I love it. Perfect. I'm all right. It, it, I mean, things are happening. It was like, boom. It was Passover. What I want us to do is to look at it through an ecclesiastical lens. What does that mean? Ecclesiastes 3 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into the heart, men's heart, yet so that, that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. It's interesting. So we look at this from a perspective of seeing beginning to end. So you and I are looking at this story and we go, oh yeah, what a great story. Jesus comes in, they're cheering. Jesus has is, is, is said that he's crucify him, they crucify him. But everything's good because it comes full circle and Jesus is raised on the third day. So for us, the context of what we see here is this, oh, everything works out. It, but, but we know this in Ecclesiastes 3. They should have known that. You and I should know this in our lives. It says God has made everything beautiful in his time. From beginning to end, you cannot fathom what he has for you. And, and as we step outside of our own lives, let's look at, look at life through these ecclesiastical lenses. That says, I'm in the middle of something. It doesn't feel good, but from beginning to end, God makes it beautiful. Remember this scripture. This is a spotlight on God's goodness that goes from good to really bad to unbelievable. Not unlike our lives. If you can just adjust the lenses a little bit, which I'm not really good at. Palm Sunday, perspective is everything. 
For the Jews, it looked as though their dreams were about to come true. Jesus, the big Savior. Now, in their minds, it was this. Jesus was coming to conquer. He was coming to kick some booty. You guys thought I was going there on Palm Sunday. You guys are crazy. That's not spicy whatever. What is it? Sporty spice. That would be ungodly for me to say that. They thought Jesus was coming to wipe out the Romans, to go, this is my people, the Jews, and they're going to rule. They saw a Savior in a way that he didn't come as. Similarly to many of us that see Jesus in such a way. And then by Good Friday, they're like, this ain't the Savior. Have Have you ever felt that? Have you ever sat in that weight? Oh, Jesus is going to change my life. I don't know about this Jesus guy. It's exactly what they were experiencing. When you look at this scripture, don't, you, you can't look at it and go, oh, those people. You got to look in the mirror and go, oh, that man, that woman. See, perspective is absolutely everything in life. When you heard of this Jesus, did you ever think maybe, just maybe my life is going to change? And you know, that excitement of, of encountering the creator of heaven and earth, that excitement of, of encountering this Jesus that, that died for my sins, that I might have life. The encounter, that you, you remember the feelings of that encounter when things were really a little sketchy and then all of a sudden you encounter this beautiful Jesus? You go, I have a little bit of hope. Then time goes by. My question is this. You have to ask yourself, what were your expectations when you heard of Jesus? What what was in your head? What what were your expectations when you gave your life to him? Because I, I would argue that too many times, many of us, our expectations are not what the scriptures say. And our expectation are, are, are things like, like oh, I hope my marriage is better. Look, if I give my life to Jesus, everything's going to be fine in my marriage now. If I give my life to Jesus, all of a sudden I'm going to have that money that I need to do what I want to do. If I give my life to Jesus, somehow my debt is going away. Hey, if I give my life to Jesus, I'll meet that right guy, the right girl. If I give my life to Jesus, I'll have the right house, the right car. If I give my life to Jesus, I'm not going to be the same idiot that I was. Sorry, a lot of idiots that are Christians. Under this, this preconceived notion, and, and we've put Jesus in this box, and we've, we, we take this box, I was, had a box, and, and we go, this is who he is, this is what he's going to do, and we keep this box and we carry it around in this, this, these notions about who he is, and, and, and I, I, I preach on it, I think I'm going to preach on it again, but that, that whole Jesus in the bottle, that, that when I come to Jesus, if I just rub the bottle, he'll give me what I want. He's a genie, isn't he supposed to give me what I want in life? But as Christians, we live that way. Here's what I've noticed about people. Here's what, this is scary, what I've noticed about the church. If you ask people to describe Jesus, usually they'll describe someone who simply looks like them, but better. Just a little better. Maybe a little taller, a little better good looking. Maybe a little smarter, you know. But for so many in the church, this is what's crazy. For so many in the church, Jesus is American. He's middle class. He's conservative, or he can be liberal. He's Presbyterian. Or a Christian. Oh, yeah, don't forget this one. He's absolutely white. <laughs> Crap. 
complete crap. First of all, if you had half a brain and you knew what the Middle East looked like and you knew what Africa looked like, you would, you would have, we sit in a Western gospel and we have this beautiful blonde, blue-eyed Jesus. You know what's sad about that? It changes the way we think about Jesus. It's not him. And, and, and we have this box and in it we just kind of, this is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus would do. This is who Jesus is. And we get disappointed because you see, Jesus is none of these things. Jesus is holy. He's merciful. This Bible tells me in Psalm 103 that he's gracious, that he puts up with my stuff, that he doesn't always treat me as my sins deserve, that, that he's abounding in love. Oh God, that he's compassionate. He's not white middle class Republican idiot. He's Jesus. Take him out of the box. Take him out of the box. See, Jesus in our box, he, he, he rises above the categories of your ideologies. He rises above the categories of stupid preachers. God forgive me because I am one of them. That, that preach a gospel of, of Jesus being a Republican. He's not. He's not a Democrat either. We impose these things on Jesus, and it's dangerous. Holy Week is about breaking out of the box. It literally is about coming out of this box, because we see beginning to end in Holy Week. We've got to break out of this box that we put Jesus in. Holy Week, can, can you imagine? And I, all week I've been kind of, all week, for many days I've been meditating and thinking about what, the, the confusion of that week. What would it have been like to be right in the middle of it? You know, you've waited for thousands of years for the Savior, and you think this could be the one, then all of a sudden it's not the one, and then, ah. What would it have been like? You know, it, it, the picture's amazing. Jesus rides into Jerusalem to a standing ovation. I don't know, has anybody ever, I'm going to be a complete idiot right now, because I can, and I have the mic. Has anybody ever stood before 18,000 people and had them cheer your name? Oh, for, for, a, for a human, it'll wreck you. Now, let me give you the other side of that. Has anybody have 18,000 people stand and boo you and throw things at you just to give you context so I'm not totally bragging, just a little bit. Jesus rides in on the donkey, and he gets this standing out, and they're throwing palm branches, and they're singing, and they're worshiping him. And you're going, wow, this is the Messiah. This is it. And then he comes in, and that same week, he comes into the temple, and he goes, this isn't my house. And he starts tearing up the place, turning over tables, ticking off the ministers, making the pastors really uncomfortable, making the church people, the religious leaders, feel like, whoa, who is this? This can't be the Savior. They're worshiping him. Now he goes, okay, I got you where I want you. Starts tearing it up. Then all of a sudden, he's led away in cuffs. Led away in cuffs. I, I got a buddy we were with a couple weeks ago, and we were preaching together, and he Played professional bat or football for the Jaguars. Big guy. And he, he was telling me about stories about being cuffed and stuffed. He was crazy. He was, he, the fact that Eddie's laughing tells me that he's an idiot like my friend. And that, that is a term used for when you're out of hand, the cops cuff you and they stuff you in the backseat of the car. 
And, 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 and this is the, the Savior that everybody's looking to. All of a sudden, he's cuffed. The, the, they come and grab him. And they take him before Pilate. Uh, what's going on in your mind? You're going, wait, 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 wait. This is the guy we're singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to. This is the guy that we're laying out palm branches in front of. This is the guy that, that was healing the blind and delivering the demon-possessed. Wait, 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 wait. My mind is complete. Why is he walking away and they're taking him before the Roman emperor? What, what is going on? And Jesus goes on trial. Now, trials, I, I work in some legal um, industry, and, and, and I, I know some of these lawyers. Trials are uh, like a lot of fun to me because you just get to argue. They pay you to argue. Chris doesn't pay me to argue. It's not as fun. But uh, Jesus is on trial. And when you go on trial, you have a defense lawyer. You have a defense, and you have the accusations that are brought against you. And Jesus is standing there with Pilate. Now, Pilate thinking that he's the man. Pilate's in control. He has the power of life and death. And he's standing with Jesus, and he's saying to Jesus, hey, are these things true? Hey, Jesus, what's going on here? And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Hey, Jesus, these people don't seem real happy about you. And he's, I, I can't imagine if he goes, hey, what was the deal when you came into town, and they thought you were his best bud, and now all of a sudden... You're up here with me, and I have the ability to send you to death. I, I wonder if there's any of those back conversations. I can only imagine, because Jesus, I think, is, is funny. I think he's humorous. I think he's sincere. I think he, I, you know, and I, I can't imagine that him and Pilate didn't have any other conversations that we can't even see here. Here's what's unbelievable, though. Jesus is on trial. He just stands here. Doesn't defend himself. Self-preservation is gone. Doesn't declare his deity. Doesn't declare anything. Pilate's like, do you not know who I am? Jesus is taken away. Triumphal entry. Palm branches. Turning over tables. Cuffed and stuffed. Taken to Pilate. And now, beaten unrecognizable. Where's my savior? Where'd he go? I can't even recognize this man that says he is the savior of the world. All the while, this is critical, all the while, John 13, 3, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God, and he knew that God made everything beautiful in its time. If, if you don't have this context in your life, if you don't realize who you are in Christ Jesus, that nobody can steal it from you. No one can take away your salvation. No one can take away your eternity. If you don't understand who God is in your life, you'll walk around and you'll defend yourself all day long. And Jesus sits there and doesn't say a word knowing fully who he was and who he is and who he will be sitting at the right hand of the Father. Knowing the end game here is he makes everything beautiful in its time. And this one always throws me. Jesus was mocked. Comes in palm branches, turning over tables. He's taken away to Pilate. He's beaten. He's hanging on a cross. And they're hurling insults at him. 
One of the criminals who hung there hurled an insult at him saying, aren't you the Messiah? A little sarcasm. Like, hey, you're the Messiah? You're sitting up here on a cross with me, buddy. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. By the way, save us. This one throws me because I've had my children mock me before. I want to beat the hell out of them. If you've ever been mocked by the one that you created, I say that loosely, God created, but he gave me, you know how that works. <laughs> Lose my mind. Lose my mind. And Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth. At any point, having the ability to come off the cross, hangs there and allows the created beings that he created spit at him, mock him, and curse him. This is the Messiah? Lastly, Jesus dead on a cross. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. He had gone from just weeks, uh, weeks, days prior to being hailed. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Just days before, they're like, this is the man. And the next thing you know, he's breathing his last breath. How does that happen so quickly? What happens in that time? What's going on here? If you don't have, if you don't have this, you'll never get through death. See, this, this is Holy Week. What I realized this week as, I'm, as I was reading this and studying and looking at this is we are them. You and I, we are them. What does that mean? I see me in the crowd. Hey, for a moment, just, just place yourself there. Are you in the crowd? Are you in the outskirts? Are you a disciple? What, what, I see me in the crowd. And, and I'm not real proud of that. See, I see me in the crowd because I know when, when the people are coming and they're, they're cheering and they're throwing down the branches like, I'm right there. I'm with you, Jesus. You know, Zechariah's words, the excitement of the, of the expectations of what are going on. We see in Zechariah 9, it says, As for you, because the blood of my covenant is with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that you restore to you double. This, this promise proclamative word that is coming forth. I know I would have been right in there. I would have been cheering. I would have been a part of what's going on in the crowd. I would have been right in the middle of it. I see me in the crowd. Jesus, come to heal me. Not unlike many of us, when we have this encounter with Jesus, oh God, come heal me. Oh God, come deliver me. Oh God, come take me away. Oh God, give me. Oh God, take me here. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's me. See me in the crowd. But wait, wait just a moment. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is turning up the tables in my life. And, and he's taking things in my life that I don't want him to touch. He comes into the temple and tears up the temple because the religious people are completely religious. And he comes into my life, Hosanna, 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 and he starts turning up things in my life, like my selfishness, like my pride, like my control, like my need to control money, like my owning things and, and having to have it all and have what I want and be me. 
And he starts to just dump that over and dump that over. And I start going, whoa, 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 don't touch that one, Jesus. I don't want you to touch my money. God forbid. I don't want you to touch my sex life. I don't want you to touch my thought life. I don't want you to touch my house and my car. Don't turn over that table. What happened to Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna? I see me in the crowd. I see me in the crowd. There came a point where I can't hear you, Jesus. Where are you? I need you right now. What are the disciples thinking as he's standing before Pilate? They had walked with Jesus for years. And they're like, I can't hear you, Jesus. You're not next to me anymore. Where are you, Jesus? I'm going through some stuff right now. And many of us in our walk, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh, God, but where did you go? I need you right now in this moment, today, not tomorrow. And I, I see me in the crowd. I see me in the crowd as Jesus. Look at this world. Everything's upside down. Right is wrong, wrong is right. People are dying, wars. Where, Jesus, where are you now? Jesus, say something. Defend me, defend yourself. The world is mocking you. And my walk, as I'm right in the middle of the crowd, wrestle through these thoughts, actions. I see myself right there. I see myself in the crowd. Jesus, the world is mocking you. They think you're a joke. My friends laugh at my faith and think I'm a complete idiot. You know, I, I was, this morning, I'm, I'm, as I'm studying and I'm looking at different things, and I, I, Bill Maher, so, yeah, I just started to listen to Bill Maher. I'm like, let me look at Bill Maher quotes about Jesus, about Bill Maher hating Jesus, because he, he, is, he is bagged religion. I was blown away by what I found. Bill Maher doesn't hate Jesus. Do you, I don't know if you know this. Bill Maher's clearly said, Jesus legit. It's people that say they follow him that are a joke. And he said if, if those Christian people acted a little more like the, he calls the prophet Jesus, I, I'd have something to think about. And, 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 and I'm in this crowd, and, 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 and Jesus, I'm going, why does it feel like the world is winning? How, can you imagine the disciples? He's on the cross, and they're spit. Actually, the disciples didn't even want to be around there. You know, John's there, and, and, and Mary. And, and, but you imagine that feeling as, as they're mocking the one that you call the Savior. As they're mocking the one that you knew was going to save the world. They're laughing at him. They're making a joke of everything that you believe in, not unlike some of the people that I hang out with, which tells me something. I'm in the right place. I'm not in the wrong place. If everybody's always agreeing with you, you're in the wrong place. If you don't piss someone off once in a while, you're in the wrong place. I'm in the crowd. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm right in the crowd. Jesus, where are you? You don't care. 
Are you even real? Who are you? And if you've never thought those thoughts and you have a relationship with Jesus, you're a liar. I'm a pastor, I'm standing up here today and I've wrestled with these thoughts. Where are you? I preach on Jonah on the way out. I go, what am I preaching? How could this really happen? I don't know if you want to preach that admits to being an idiot, but I am one. And I see myself in the crowd and, and those thoughts of, God, do you, you, do you just not care? Do you just... Are you, if you were real, would this even take place? And I can only imagine the disciples in, in, in sitting in the crowd. Now they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And they're, 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 they're covering themselves because they don't want people to associate them with this Jesus that's going to be crucified because they could be next. And going, oh God, where are you? Jesus, do you not remember riding in on the donkey? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody likes the Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Don't like the crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Everybody likes the salvation Jesus. We don't like the Jesus that turns over the tables in our lives because there's contradictions in sin. And when in the crowd, oh God, where are you? Where are you, Jesus? I see me in the crowd. And as Jesus fails to live up to my expectations, what, what am I talking about? That box of expectations, the way I think life should go. As Jesus doesn't live up and he fails to live up to my expectations of this life, not the word's expectations, not the creator's expectations, not the father that created me, his expectations, not the one who knows me intimately from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, not, not, not his expectations, but my expectations. And as Jesus doesn't live up to my expectations for my life, I get less and less excited about him. My excitement turns to confusion. My confusion to disappointment. And disappointment to anger. I know I'm the only one who struggles like that. Well, me and Paul. And, and as I was reading and looking at this and, and, and just placing myself in this crowd thinking, how, oh, I'm going to charge up to Pilate and I'm going to rescue Jesus is such crap. I'm going to sit right in the crowd and I'm going to wrestle with these questions. Who am I? Who are you, Jesus? Was this real? I see me in the crowd so that by the end of the week, I too stand with that crowd Screaming, crucify him. Crucify him. I'm no different. The context is, is this, that I am a new creation in Christ, but every time I sin, it's crucify him, crucify him. That, that when I live my own Christian life, my, my own... Jesus in the box that I've created him to be. I'm just saying crucify him. Crucify him. And that's not who God has called us to be as Christians. 
He hasn't called us to walk in the crowd, although we walk in the crowd too many times. He hasn't called us to be right in the middle of it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't, he, he, it, it, it means that he's all right with our struggles and with our doubts as, as long as we press into that relationship. Look, I'm married to this woman for 26 years and we wrestle with things and through things regularly. That's called relationship. She's not offended and she's not insecure about it, nor am I. And our relationship with God is the same way. He's not a, he doesn't come off the throne and go, oh God, where are you? He doesn't come off the throne and go, oh my goodness, start sweating, going, uh-oh, John doesn't know where I'm at right now and is questioning whether I'm real. That's not who God is. He's completely secure in who he is. Gracious, merciful, kind, uh, all those things that we talked about earlier. I don't want to yell crucify him. I don't want to yell crucify him. I see me in the crowd, in spite of the best Lenten dis disciplines, in spite of the Diet Coke and dessert I didn't eat during this time, which is a complete lie because I screwed up I don't know how many times. I, so I just grab a Diet Coke. Oh, man. Well, now that I've got it, I might as well finish it. You know, that whole, you know. In spite of the TV you didn't watch, in spite of the honest reflections, the repentance during these last 40 days as we're walking through this, this Lent, in spite of those things, we would still shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Oh God, have mercy. Have mercy on us. That's what I love about Jesus. See, as it was with the crowd, so it is with you and me. Hosanna, Hosanna, God, you are so good. Crucify him. Hosanna, Hosanna. God, thank you for answering my prayer. Thank you for paying that bill, allowing me to pay that bill. Thank you for that guy that you brought, that girl that you brought. Crucify him, crucify him. Oh, I don't get what I want. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Crucify. I, you feel schizophrenic. That's the church in so many ways. That's me outside of the, this word in Jesus in my life and the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead working in my life. But when it's just me, it's right here, Hosanna, crucify, Hosanna. It's, it's mind-blowing. God is so good. I see me in the crowd, but Sunday's coming. I see me in the crowd, but Sunday's coming. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I see me in the crowd, but Sunday is coming. This week, Holy Week, I'm asking that we step outside of the crowd. Just, just step outside of the crowd. Get out of your usual self. Get out of this all about John. And I'm asking that you would read your word. That you'd pick up your word each day. Look, I'm not asking you to read an hour a day. I'm not asking you to read a half an hour a day. Right, take a, take a, 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 a paragraph and read it. And maybe write something next to it. God, what does this mean? And then in conversation with the Lord, 
wrestle through it for the day. Wrestle through throughout the day. Gosh, I didn't really understand. Well, that's interesting. Is that me? Is that not me? Build this relationship. Step outside of the crowd and, and then maybe turn on some worship music this week. Step outside of the crowd. Maybe, maybe turn off Fox News or turn off MSNBC or whatever crap you watch, I watch. Step outside the crowd and renew your mind with the washing of this word that you may be able to see the truth, that you may be able to be able to discern truth, that you might be able to make the decisions in your life that God wants to speak to you about, but because you got so much up here, you can't. Step outside the crowd and worship with music and words each day. Each day. I talk about this often. If I lived my life in my marriage the way I lived my life many times with the Lord, it would be a rough, rough marriage. If I took the days off in my relationship with the Lord, whether it's reading his word or conversing or worshiping, and did that with her, it, it wouldn't be good. My relationship with God is a daily relationship through prayer, through word, and worship. Step outside the crowd this week. Worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. God, I thank you that, oh God, we, we can sit in the crowd and we can, we, can yell, we can yell Hosanna and we can praise Hosanna and we can also crucify, crucify, crucify. Oh God, have mercy on us. Help us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. Oh God, this week I pray that we would step outside of ourselves, of the crowd, and we would worship. God, that you would reveal to us new things, that you would speak to us in new creative ways, that you would make yourself, uh, Lord, um, revealed to us like we've never experienced before. God, as we go into this Easter Sunday, as we go into this exciting Sunday of the resurrection of Christ. Oh God, prepare our hearts. Let us worship. Let us know you more intimately. God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that your word says from beginning to end, we cannot fathom what you've done. God, we have no clue. Lord, we're going to trust in you. Some of us may be right in the middle of that crazy right now. From beginning to end, God makes all things beautiful. From beginning to end, God makes all things beautiful. Lord, let us grab a hold of that. Let us be secure knowing who we are in Christ, who you've called us to be, and ultimately, God, where we're going to go, which is eternal life with you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.